Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Gordon, and I'm your host. This week, we are going to talk with Mickey Sturgis. And Mickey has a company called The Rise Up Woman. And she says she's primarily on Facebook. She's an expert in the field of resilience and survival from domestic abuse. She has an amazing story, and I'm excited to bring her to you. She also has a podcast called The Rise Up Woman Podcast that she's been publishing since May. Now, I think that learning and understanding more about how to handle and get out of and heal from an abusive relationship is so important. And while it may not be directly related to menopause, some of us may still be in relationships like that. And if you are, we're going to hook up some resources in the show notes for you. So if you're currently in that challenge, you're going to really enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about the cycle of shame, angel syndrome, the cycle of abuse, how we live in a patriarchy and how that affects abuse, and how to break up the cycle. Now, at the end of this episode, make sure you visit the website. That's drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts. Don't forget the S. And you're going to find the show notes and the links that are mentioned with Mickey Sturgis. And also, if you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. I also appreciate your five-star reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. Now, here we go. On to Mickey. All right, well, welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast, and today I'm joined by Mickey Sturgis, and Mickey's a life coach, and we're going to hear all about her, and so let's, uh, let's get to it. Hi, Mickey. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So I guess, you know, the first question I want to ask you is, how did you get involved in life coaching? We'll start with that. Okay, so... It could be a little bit longer, <laughs> but what happened was I was doing network marketing and I really enjoyed um, coaching people. As I grew my team, I started, you know, coaching small amount of people and I really enjoyed that part of my job. But of course I had to have my network marketing business going too. And I kept going back to coaching and i felt like that's what I wanted to do. But then on the way of doing that, I kept hearing um, messages from God saying, you know what, it's time for you to do this thing while sharing my story. Okay. I kept denying it. (laughs) I kept Uh. denying, no, no, that's not me. I don't want to do that, which I will probably get in a little bit later on. But basically... I have this um, background in domestic violence. I was in the abusive marriage for 13 years, and I didn't want to talk about it. But, you know, it, t- it took a long time for, for healing. But it became, a, I came to a point where I am able to share stories without tears, without, I really wanted to help other women, yet I denied God's voice saying, you need to go to this go to this direction yeah and this beginning of this year god showed up in such a big way i could not deny it anymore and i said okay yes to god okay well but you gotta tell me the story about how god showed up in such a big way 
That's okay. that you can't just say God showed up and then not uh, not talk tell about the story. it. Right? That's okay. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> we we all want to see the supernatural in action. Yes. So. So, this, mind you, just imagine I have been hearing this message. You have to share your story in different ways, right? Like some people tell me, or uh, the sermon that I listen to, podcast that I listen to. I this message kept popping up and I right. here I am kept denying right and the beginning of this year I attended um, it's called events called BBD live that was for online business um, event and there was 200 I think it was like close to 300 people there okay so you were at the January BBD live yes I was okay yeah I was there too yeah. you were okay yeah, that's so, James Whitmore's event yeah. Yes. And I love James. Yeah, he's but great. anyway, so I was there and second day he talked about hot seat, how to be on the hot seat. And, you know, we went through exercise and you had to write what, if you were to be on hot seat, what you would ask. There's no backstories, nothing like that. So I wrote down thinking, I'm not going to be picked. And then he was, as he said, there's a chair. And this person, one person is going to be on this hot, hot seat. And people start raising their hands, right? I want to be on there. I'm, I'm one, I was one of those, no, not me. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's time to hide. Well, he said, this person manifested to be on this hot seat this morning. And I was like, nah, I didn't manifest anything. And he said, he didn't pick those people who raised hand. He said, there's something under your seat. Look under your seat. If you have a little paper that says hot seat, that's you. Well, that was me. Wow. I didn't, I missed that part. I think I was in a meeting. So, Maybe you might have been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the I, morning I, of the second day? I think so. It was a yeah, second day. Yeah, I missed that. So I was, I, I looked at it and go, oh my gosh, do you have it? Do you have this seat? And I was talking to other people, do you have this seat? paper goes no that's you I'm like oh my gosh so I went on the hot seat and you know what <laughs> so it, on my paper I wrote my hot seat question I didn't talk about online business I didn't talk about I could have written about funnels or whatever you know but yeah. I wrote I'm thinking about this I keep hearing this message I want to do this but I'm scared so that's what I wrote, and then that's what I shared on my hot seat. Oh, my goodness. I, I realized, oh, my goodness, this is God's way of shaking me. Mickey, wake up. James asked me in the hot seat, during the hot seat, he said, so how long have you been sitting on this idea? And I said, um, I think at least two years. And he goes, how long have you been sitting there? <laughs> and it just it really impacted me and that's sure. that's when I decided you know what I'm gonna be all in yet within a month or two I kept still hanging on to that business coaching I really wanted to like help network marketers go you know, you know in the business online and I heard the voice again I, he said what what else can you let go and I knew God was talking to me about letting go of everything else and go all in with this. So that's when I really decided, okay, this is the way I am going. I might not make money right away, 
but it's okay. Yeah. You know, I just keep trusting the, the process. So what's interesting to me is that you had to lean into a fear. Oh yeah, totally. All right. And, and when you leaned into your fear, you had a big breakthrough, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. part of leaning into your fear was surrendering to whatever the plan was. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, I think, I think that what happens is that, you know, we, we, we hear this phrase, you know, focus on the process and the outcome will take care of itself, but then we don't often see the results, right? Right. So, you know, like if you want to lose a hundred pounds, right, you're not going to lose a hundred pounds overnight. You're going to lose a hundred pounds by, you know, exercising regularly, watching what you eat and drinking a ton more water. Right. That's true. And yeah. you have to focus on that process or else you're never, you know, because your behavior is what caused you to gain the hundred pounds. And so your behavior is going to be what's going to cause you to lose the hundred pounds. Same yep. sort of thing. Right. So here you are you're not wanting to share the story. Right. Oh, I was uh, scared. Yeah. Afraid to share your story. So mm -hmm. I want to give you an opportunity now to to tell the story. So let's hear <laughs> okay. the story. Okay. So my story um, was it really began when I first moved from Japan to to America. Okay. And at that time, I was full of energy. You know, I graduated college from Japan. In Japan, I my my major was English, <laughs> English literature. So I really loved the language of English. And I, I wanted to stay here to learn and really master the English. And that's where I met my ex-husband. And, you know, my dream, of course, was to be an interpreter. And I wanted to go back to Japan and be at this famous interpreter you know on tv you those people who see on tv uh -huh. well that was my dream but then i met him and i started in the wrong direction i knew he was a little controlling and but i made a commitment and this is one of the things that backfired my value back backfired because my value was once you marry you stay with the person no matter what and I gave, I think I gave it all. So within the 13 years, whole 13 years of marriage, it was very abusive. I didn't even realize it was abusive because I grew up in a country in, in Japan and my family was very traditional. My father was not abusive, but he was the authority in my family. So men being an authority and dominant position is not, necessarily bad or abnormal you know it was it was normal for me but when he started hitting me and shoving to to the wall me to the wall or pushing me or kicking me then that's when i said is this normal <laughs> but i kept i kept you know praying to god to god you can change him if that's your will and i kept I just kept staying. One, I was fearful. If I left, what is he going to come after me? Is he going to kill me? I was not sure. But um, so that 13 years came. At the end of 13 years, what happened was I went on to, I was, I was this different person <laughs> in a corporate world. I was, you know, in a management position. I was, I put the facade very confident at a job. But when I went home, I was this little person worth nothing. 
believed worth nothing because that's what I was hearing all the time. And so what happened was when I went to, took the, there was a company trip that I had to take employees to Japan, came back. He just went off if I had an affair with anybody, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just could not stand the accusation. So I said, you know what? It might be time for us to separate. And at that time, he was like, what are you saying? And he didn't do anything. So I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing that he's not doing anything. But later on, he brought a gun and pointed at me and said, if you ever make me mad like this again, I'll kill you. If you ever tell me if you're gonna leave, you're gonna leave me, I'll kill you. So I, at that point, said, you know, I cannot ever promise you to not make you mad because it's your choice. You're making a choice to be mad. I can't control that. So why don't you just shoot me now? Wow. And he said, he, he was looking at me like, and he said, he, he said to me, you are crazy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's crazy here? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. But he, he pulled up. Uh, luckily, he came to his senses, I guess, or something. And he put the gun down and looked, like walked away just maybe a couple of feet. So I ran to the bathroom and I shut the door, locked the door, and I started just sobbing. God, I don't know what to do with this. I, I really don't know. And I wasn't even praying to God. I, looking back at it, I was. But I was yeah. like, whoever, just help me. I don't know what to do. And I knew my son at the time, three-year-old, three-year-old, he was sleeping in the other room. and. I was thinking about him. I didn't know. I, I knew I didn't want him to grow up in that situation. I didn't want him to grow up thinking men could just abuse women like that yeah. and control women. And I was afraid that he's going to be like that. And cycle continue, you know? Mm -hmm. I just didn't want that. And, but I didn't know what to do because he had a gun, you know, the other side of the bathroom and um, I don't know how long I was in there but he knocked on the door and he said I'm sorry you know this is a cycle of abuse you know he go, he goes through a cycle and he said I'm I'm sorry I put the gun away just come out you know you're okay I'm not gonna do anything to you so I came out and at that point I decided I'm not gonna stir anymore I'm not going to make waves, anything. You know, I just wanted to survive at that point. So that's what I did. I said, okay, I'm sorry I said anything. I will stay with you. And I just, I, but inside of me, of course, I was like, what am I going to do? And luckily, I think that was Sunday maybe because I went to work the next day and I called my pastor. Yeah. And I said, Pastor, this happened. And he was in shock because even though he was my pastor, my favorite pastor, he was always, you know, I was counseling with him and all my, throughout my, my marriage, I went counseling with him, both of us. So he knew about us, but I never, 
ever shared the abuse part of um, our marriage. I never told him that he was hitting me or anything like physically or verbally. And he apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was going on. If I knew, I could have said something else. But, you know, because, because he thought it, this was normal, like argument, you know, the, the marriage, normal marriage um, argument, he was saying, you know, you need to do this and, you know, this kind of, So he was just giving us the counseling that to a, he would do to a normal marriage because I never shared. Yeah. And uh, well, he was in shock. I can't imagine why you would share if you're getting beaten at home uh, in a no. public forum if you're afraid. Oh, I was very afraid. Yeah. yeah. So I never, and also afraid. And also, I was, I think, embarrassed. Sure. That, you know, I knew it in the back of my head, this is not normal. Yeah. But I was ashamed that I was taking it. Mm. You know, some, I, I shared some of stories with my friends and my friends didn't understand why I would stay. Mm -hmm. They were like, if you, if it's so bad, why don't you just leave? So they probably didn't believe it was that bad. <laughs> Maybe, you know, Yeah, I, I think, I think that, that this is, this is a common story that we hear over and over and over in the cycle of abuse mm -hmm. um, yeah. that, you know, especially in, in marriages and it's a lot more common than, anyone wants to admit, you know, I mean, you're not in menopause yet, right? Oh, it's done. <laughs> oh, you're done with menopause? It's done. Oh, you're young. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay, but, great. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I went through it like, I think four years ago. Okay. Four years ago. Yeah. All right. And you're not still <laughs> suffering from the symptoms at all? Not really. So no, that's, that's I'm, interesting. I'm lucky. I've, yeah, I've interviewed several women who like still have symptoms 20 years later. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's common. It can happen. So, all right. So good. <laughs> I thought, I actually thought you were younger. How old is your son now? My son is 23. 23. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, I, and I'm glad that he didn't really take on. But the other side of that is that he became enabler. He, he became not even enabler. Uh, he became one of those who don't want to rock the boat. Okay. He wants to be, he is almost like a peacemaker. He okay. doesn't get mad. And so sometimes I worry, you know, that he suppresses his feelings. Yeah. You know, it's hard with our children. We, we have to let them go. Yeah. We have to let them oh, go. Oh, it's make, hard. <laughs> make their own mistakes. And we yeah. can see them making the mistakes and we have to let them go. And oh, I often yeah. wonder, you know, in all the mistakes I made as a young adult, even up until the time my father passed, I, I, I always wonder if, you know, he knew he couldn't say anything to me. I'd never listened to him, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. it's, it's interesting because now he's gone and I miss him, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it, 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 we have to, we have to let our children make their own mistakes. And, yeah. and at some point, you know, that's just really important to let them go and let oh, them man. be who they It's are. hard. It, it really is. It really is. You I mean, know? this, this is part of, you know, I mean, the changes of menopause too, right? I mean, our kids grow up and then they're, they're out of the house and we're not really sure what to do. And then, you know, on the converse of that, if we've been in an abusive marriage and our kids are gone, the abuse can escalate once the kids leave because there's no oh, buffer possible. there. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, yeah. so I wanted to uh, talk a bit about, and, and, and I want you to finish your story, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about how the fear of leaving affects women uh, in an abusive marriage and why it's not easy to leave. Oh, yeah. Well, like I was saying, even when you have a this powerful side to you, um, because of the abuse, because of the verbal put down and things that kept repeated, it it becomes a belief. If you keep hearing this over and over and over, and you start to think, "Huh, maybe I am stupid. Oh, maybe I am worthless. Oh, maybe I am." Then it starts to believe that. So even if you leave, you're, in my case, I left. I still suffered the consequence of low self-esteem. Um, I would go to a certain, I can, you know, we can all push to a certain degree, right? Yeah. Your will can just push. But somewhere along the way, you, your subconscious starts talking. No, who you, do you think you are? You, you can't do this. You, no, th- th- you can't do that. And then all of a sudden, you hit the ceiling. And ceiling might be this high, yet because of your belief, because of what happened, totally your brain is rewired to believe this is it. Yeah. This, you can't go any higher. I talk a lot in my program about beliefs. We do mm-hmm. that. Uh, we go yeah. through beliefs a lot. And we talk about how a belief is a thought that you think over and over, right? Yep. Yeah. And a, a thought is just a sentence in your head, and a belief is a sentence you say over and over. Over and over. And yeah. one of the things that, that is so transformative in my program is I, I show them how it's possible to change mm. the beliefs. And when that happens, oh, yeah. there's light bulbs. There's light bulbs yes. everywhere. Because so, it's like, so oh this belief isn't serving me, then, mm-hmm. oh, you mean I can just change it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, I mean, it's, it's so transformative and so Yeah, free. and liberating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's why it took a long time, even though I was a personal development junkie, <laughs> you yeah. know, because I was in sales and I would listen to Brian Tracy and all these things in cassettes, you know. Sure. <laughs> you know, do you remember cassette, right? Yes, so I would put the cassette in the, in the car and I would listen all the time to Anthony Robbins. And so it was like one of these, but it was the will power it, that doesn't really work until, to a point. And I didn't realize until I really start to learn about abuse, cycle abuse and all these things, I didn't realize my brain was completely rewired during that 13 years of marriage from the beginning you know what you wear is horrible you need to be like an american you need you need to ditch all your japanese clothes and rebuy all these things and i yeah he used to tell me he would take me to the mall and say this is something that my sister would wear so why don't you buy that and i had to like think about how his sister would dress and then i have i had to buy those things even though i didn't think it was for me um 
you know, things like that. And then over and over, if you're told, you know, just, just, just because you're making money, that doesn't mean that you're worth anything. You're nothing without me. And I kept believing it. So you're right. I, you know, nobody would take me. Nobody, nobody would love me. Yeah. yeah. You know, so all of a sudden at the end of 13 years, I was like, okay, who am I? <laughs> okay. So you, you know? had a crisis of identity. Oh, totally. Yeah. I did. So I, I wanted to, what you, so you were in sales in your corporate job? Is that what you did? Well, I did a lot of things, but at the, the last job was, I was in HR. I was an HR director, but yeah. It's not a fun that, job. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Did you really? <laughs> yes, I did. <coughs> I me. actually I, loved those things and legal things. And I was. Oh yeah, no, okay. HR, man, that's my nemesis. <laughs> um, so yeah. I wanted to talk a bit about, um, before you get to how you actually left, I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about um, if we could just go through the, the phases of the cycle of shame. Mm -hmm. So do you have like phases that, that, that oh, you yes. can delineate? So, so that's, I think that would be really helpful for the listeners because if there's anyone mm -hmm. who's listening who is in a relationship like this and wants to leave, we're going to make sure that we hook up some resources in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'd like from you um, is, you know, resources for domestic abuse and sure. numbers that people can call and that sort of thing. And we'll put those in the show notes so that anyone who's, who's in this, in a relationship that, um, you know, really would be safer if they left, um, but is afraid, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about all of these things because it's a lot more common than, than a lot of us would, would admit. And, you know, while, while we don't, we don't want anyone to put their lives in danger, we also want you to be safe. And uh, we want you also to, if you're in something abusive, to have the courage to leave uh, because yeah. you're worth it. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, nobody really, nobody deserves to be beaten or hit or, or belittled. Yeah. even just verbally. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize, I thought that abuse was just physical, but it's more than that. You know, emotional abuse and verbal, those things affects a lot more. It cuts you through to your core, yeah. you know, who yeah. you are. And especially so, if, especially if you've suffered abuse as a child uh, in any form, even if it's, you know, your parent <laughs> saying, saying things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we all, we all suffer some sort of trauma as children. That's part of growing up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, it, and that's how we form our identity. But, um, in terms of, you know, abusive ch childhood that, that can, you know, whatever happens in our childhood, we can attract similar people, um, or we can repel similar people and it just depends mm -hmm. on our own self-esteem. So let's get to the cycle of shame. So let's talk yeah. about that. So the cycle is First, when you first meet, like when, in my case, you know, I met him and he was this like really a macho and I was just really attracted to that. You know, he, he knew, he, he was like street smart where I was very naive. I was, I grew up in a very warm, almost like sheltered household, you know, and I came here and then I met this guy and I say, oh my goodness, I thought he would just be able to protect me all the time, you know? Yeah. So I was really attracted to that macho-ness. And so everything went, was fine, but something happens, like something that triggers him or whatever. So it goes into this cycle of, okay, he hits you or, you know, something happens, it triggers, and then he gets really mad. 
and boom, maybe physical, you know, something happens, right? And then he, he goes through remorse. He was, I don't call it a, it's a true remorse, but he, he will say, oh, I'm so sorry. It would, this will never happen again. I'm so sorry. And you believe it. So I believed, okay, well, he said he's going to change. He's not going to do this again. So, okay, I'll give you a chance. And they will go through like a sort of like honeymoon stage. Oh, that's great. He might bring you flowers. He might buy you cake. He might take you out to dinner. You know, he would just do all these loving things. We call it a honeymoon stage. And then everything seems to be going well. And but again, something triggers. And then boom, once again, this happens. And then he apologizes again. Honeymoon stage comes and then starts again. The cycle goes on and on. It could be, in my case, it was sort of like almost like everyday occurrence. And then it became once a week, like weekends. I hated weekends because we had to, I, you know, during the week we go to work and it's just so busy. And, but weekends we're together. So something happens at least once a week. I will be hit or just be little. I pretty, pretty much he like pushed me against the wall or whatever, something happens, right? And then he apologizes. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll trust you. I will, you know, like give you a chance. Over and over and over. Pretty soon, your self-esteem, everything is shattered. It's the bottom. And you don't even realize it. Yeah. yeah. Did so you, that's did you grow goes. up with any sort of, what was your religion growing up? My religion, I would, be, I believe it's Shintoism, okay. um, but um, my my grandma was very devout Buddhist. Buddhist, okay, yeah. And so, did you did you learn how to meditate as a child? No, we I never learned that. Okay. We don't do we didn't do any of that. Um, even though, like my grandma would chant like every morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that so chanting. she had her chanting meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you never learned how to separate yourself from other people to go inside and no, no, I never right. learned that. And have you you've, have you learned that since? Well, it's not that sense of you know like a Buddhism or anything like that. But uh, yes, I do. I. Mm, I wouldn't say inner self. I will always have a connection with God, my faith in God. I'm a Christian, and yeah. I I do do a lot of um, talk with God, you know, yeah, prayers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do that a lot, and I journal. Yeah. That's sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was really into Christianity, I, I'm not so Christian anymore, but I, mean, <laughs> I believe in Christ, but. Uh, there was there were times when I would do a lot of journaling and mm-hmm. and um, and the journaling I, I was able to see uh, God would come through. Oh um, yeah, you know God would come through. But mm-hmm. I've I've more recently been doing a lot more studying in the mind and um, and self realization, which is uh, through meditation. That's mm-hmm. that's the way you can find God and 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 oh, really. Totally. We, and in reality, I mean, it's, 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 it's like how Joe Dispenza talks about it is it's crossing the river. And once mm-hmm. you cross the river, you enter into the subconscious or Yogananda calls it, you know, the way you can get to the astral plane through, um, through the third eye, hmm. whatever it is. The, the bottom line is I think we all end up in the same place. We end mm-hmm. up in the subconscious, right? 
and, oh, and in yeah. order for us to rewire all of those old beliefs, we have to get to the subconscious. Oh, totally. I'm learning that too. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how your subconscious really drives you in a different ways. And like I was sharing before, um, growing up, my father was the authority figure. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, I, I, I don't even remember. He wasn't abusive in my eyes. Um, but he abused alcohol and my my mom hated that he would I could just tell that she was just not taking it well and um, I remember she, you know she, he would just drink and drink and then he would throw up and she had to clean up and you know and then she was just really complaining you know if you didn't drink this much you know you wouldn't be, i didn't have to clean this up mess up and and i hated seeing that yeah that's that's probably one of the reasons why i developed aversion i cannot drink and I, of course it's my cho you know choice to not drink anymore I, I i did drink before when i was in college but <laughs> when i was in college I was having hives after I drank, I drunk. Oh, probably because of your experience with your father, your subconscious yeah. was coming back and saying, this is poison, don't do this. Yes, probably. I would yeah. just like laugh and go, oh my gosh, it's cold. I'm getting all these hives, you know? And yeah. then I thought it was something that I ate, but it happened every time I drank. So I decided, okay, this must be alcohol that's you know, doing this to me. Yeah. And but it's the mind is so powerful, right? So if once you believe alcohol <laughs> is causing me hives, I just lost totally lost my interest in anything like that. Sure. So I don't drink at all. Yeah. 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 I understand. I totally understand that. Yeah. So <clears throat> so tell me, let's hear the story of how you were able to leave your husband. Well, I, I'm so blessed to know that pastor. I, I think that the pastor, the, having a resource like that, having resources is very important. Before that, I, I didn't realize I had the resources, but I, I didn't, because I was so ashamed, I didn't want to go to him, right? Mm -hmm. But I came to a point where it's either I'm going to be killed and my boy is going to live without the mother or I do something about it and live a better life. Yeah. And I had to make that choice. And I just did not want my son to live like that. And I, I had to like, I was thinking, <clears throat> I have to break this cycle. I cannot continue because I knew he, my ex-husband, was abused also. And so that cycle was going on with that family. Yeah. Right? And I didn't want my son to continue with that. And also, of course, I, you know, I think that was my first thing that came to my mind. I did not want my son. As, you know, I do have a podcast also. And um, as I interview some women who have gone through this, 
many of them say, I thought about my son. I thought about yeah. my daughter. What's the name of your podcast? <clears throat> the Rise Up Woman podcast. The Rise Up Woman. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I, I was thinking, you know what? This little human being has big power on moms. You know, even though when I was alone, I didn't have courage to leave. But this little human that I was caring for, and she, he needed me. He needed mom. He, you know? Yeah. So I said, I, I just have to do it for him. So that was a big courage. Something beside myself, you know, beyond myself. Yeah. He needed me. And that was the biggest reason, I think, more so than me, because I was ready to be shot. <laughs> I was like, go ahead and shoot me. I right. can't live like this, right? But then when it, I came to sense that, I was like, you know what? He needs me. I need to be well. And that was a big, big moment. Well, you also had somebody who believed you. And I think one of the things that happens is that, especially in America, because we live in a patriarchy, you know, we, and, and it isn't just America, right? It's like mm. the whole world is pretty much a patriarchy. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, think about the number of female leaders in the world, right? Yeah. We've had, we had uh, Golda Meir. We had um, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, Thatcher. Mm -hmm. We had Indira Gandhi. Yeah. Right? And we had the woman in Pakistan, and I can't remember her name. And, uh, and, and there was a big controversy about her being. Oh, yeah, charged. totally. Um, and then there's a woman in Myanmar, uh, but it's, um, that's Myanmar is very controversial right now with what they're doing on the borders mm -hmm. with the Rohingya. But, but if you th you, that's, that's one hand. The female well, leaders. I mean, we, yeah. Ethiopia just got a female president. Um, and and I'll, I'll admittedly, <clears throat> for anyone who's listening, who's a big uh, geography and history buff, I, I actually, these are things I just know out of my own knowledge. And I may have missed very a lot of them. So um, don't, don't hold me to it. But what I'm talking about is that, um, you know, we live, we live in a patriarchy. And in order for us to be believed. Okay. So I was sexually abused as a child. And, um, when I finally, like I had a whole time that I didn't remember. And, in, and at age 15, I just like, I had an aha, something woke up inside me and I realized it. And when I told people, no one believed me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the fact that you had the support of somebody in the, 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 the clergy, especially like a Christian pastor is, it's actually, I'm actually surprised to tell you the truth. Because it's very common uh, that that the Christians, especially, will tell women to subject themselves to their husband no matter what. Yeah. And um, and if you're in a position like that, uh, that's wrong. It's hopeless. It's wrong. Yeah. If something like yeah. that, yeah. And I was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, just just because um, you know that's because some, that's something that Paul said. Paul was a man. Remember, the Bible was written by men. It wasn't yes. written by God. It was written by men. Men mm -hmm. put words on paper and said it was sacred. So, you know, we, it's only sacred because we think it is. It's nothing. It's, a, it's another belief, right? And so the words of Paul are not, he was just a guy and he was a guy who hated women. I mean, when you look <laughs> at what he wrote and how women have to keep their heads covered and women have to be silent in the church and women have to do this and women have to do that. Um, there's this really great book that I talk about a lot. It's called the alphabet mm -hmm. versus the goddess. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And it is probably the best religious history book I've ever read. And it's all about how before written language, all the gods were female because life mm. comes from women. Mm. And then as written language became more and more prevalent and we started using the other side of the brain, the female gods got murdered by the male gods. It's, it's a fascinating read. I recommend that everyone read it. Mm. Great, great book on the patriarchy written by a man, actually a surgeon. But the, so, so the point I was trying to make is that you had support mm -hmm. and you had support yes. from somebody in the church, which is very surprising, especially mm -hmm. a, you know, yeah. a male pastor. Well, I, you know, I trusted him too. And because I was at that church for a long, long time and um, he, yeah, he was very supportive and he of course believed what happened and um, he gave me a lot of resources. His brother just so happened to be assistant DA oh, wow. <laughs> at the police department. So he, um, he gave me a lot of resources and I contacted each one of the, you know, well, he gave me a resource to contact, I think one of the police department. And then he, they gave me a domestic violence shelter number. So that was just really good. And I just, I just believe that it was a plan. It was there. And at that point, I just, you know, this is what I didn't share is that after I decided not walk the boat, I planned. This was like a plan because mm -hmm. I knew he, um, my ex-husband was going on a business trip. I knew that was coming like in two weeks or something like that. I don't remember that, not that, that time, but I knew that was coming. He was going to Taiwan with, with a business trip. And he, so I said, you know what? I have this plan, <laughs> you know, like in my head, I was, I had all this plan until then. I just have to stay calm. I don't rock the boat. I don't want to do anything to make him mad. Right. Yeah. So I was like walking on the eggshell, but I knew. So the, the, when I contacted the domestic violence shelter, they said, well, I later found out that's how they do like protocol. What they do is they say, well, we don't have a room for you at this moment. And it's sort of like, it's the way to filter those people who just want to come in to stay, you know, overnight or whatever. Like some, some people do that, take, take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I contact, so I said, this is my plan. You know, I said, my husband is going on business trip, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, she goes, okay, then call me back and see if we have a room by the time when you're ready to go. So I said, okay. So I contacted, I think it was like two days before or, or something like that before she, he left. I said, I'm ready. I, he's actually leaving that day. He said, okay, call me that morning. So I did. And boom, everything that, that day, I just put everything, you know, whatever I thought I was, I was just going to be there one week. Yeah. So I took one week of my, my clothes, my boy's clothes. And I took my blankets and all this stuff in the, in the van and I had to go to a police department and then, and the police escorted us to the, to the shelter. But I was, I was shaking as I packed my stuff i was just shaking what if she, he comes back right now what what's gonna happen i was like in a hurry you know yeah i was i was so afraid 
but after I was in the shelter, that was a, a, that's a whole another story because I was told not to listen to my voicemail, but he, I listened to them, and you know, because I had a, access to my voicemail for work, he he was leaving tons and tons of messages, just crying and lying about my dog, and it was just crazy. And so, I so I mean, I think that brings back the point that abusers uh probably most of them are narcissists and yeah. um and they're gonna pull out all the stops oh you leave them true. and it's, they're master manipulators totally he said we have three cocker spaniels and i love them you know they're just good dogs and he said he left a message saying you know sarah was that one of the dog and he, she died you know, you need to come home. I miss her and all these things. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, she died, you know. Oh. Then I went to pick up some of my stuff. One day, she was there. <laughs> I was like, what? You, you know, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. She, he lied about it. And later on, I, I, I had a time to talk to him. He, I said, you said Sarah died. Well, I had to say something so that you could come home. I'm like, no. Uh, wow. It was a, it, yeah, he, he did that. And there's several times I, by seeing my son, he was missing his papa. And I could just, he, his shoulder was just shaking with crying. And even then I said, you know what? I should go back. And so I was so blessed to have been in the shelter because all the people in the shelter, don't you, don't you go back, <laughs> you know? And then he, they shared, one of the ladies shared, counselors shared a story. She said, you remind me of this lady. Well, she was a Korean lady. She said, because I'm an Asian, right? So she probably, I reminded her. <laughs> I'm of sorry. That sounds a little racist. <laughs> no, she probably, that's probably why she, you know, because, because I'm Asian, she probably said, well, I, you remind me of this person. And this person was Korean. And she said, she went back like you. She was, you know, she said, I'm going to go back. And she did go back. She came back three times to the shelter and she never came back. Do you know why? He killed her. Yeah. yeah. So she said, please, if you want to go back, it's up to you, but don't just think about that. How long yeah. have you been in this situation? How many times did he apologize? How many times do you have to go through this? Yeah. Even for your child. You know, your child doesn't know. Maybe that's why he misses him. But think about how he is going to grow up. And I had to really let those sink in. And I never forgot that story. I didn't want to be that, like that. There were women who were coming in and out, coming in and out two or three times. And either they leave finally or they get killed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. it's, it's not uncommon. I mean, I don't, I don't have this, the statistics here, but you know, it's, it's not uncommon that, that a no. woman will be killed by, by an abusive 
spouse or a domestic yeah. partner. It's um, just heartbreaking. It is. So that's why, no wonder, you know, I, I don't think it's everybody's duty to share their stories. There are some people who just don't want to. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like this was one of my calling. I just yeah. felt like I had to do that. Yeah. You know, one of the questions I have for you, um, and this is something I hear quite a bit when I talk to women who've been abused, is that if they, 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 they internalize it, say it's my fault, mm-hmm. and I'm a failure. Yeah. I did, did that. Yeah. I did that a lot. Because, yeah. you know, that's what he said. He said, if you just didn't make me mad. I wouldn't do this. Right. I'll be a nice person. And that's so that that's so like nobody is nobody can make anybody else anything. Right. And but I just I just want to clarify that for the for the audience who's listening. Yes. Is that you are not responsible for anyone else's feelings. No. And if someone else says that you're making them feel a certain way, that is not on you. That is about them. Right. So you can't make somebody feel something. Somebody makes a choice. They, there's a data comes in, mm-hmm. they make a choice and they react a certain yep. way. And yep. that is their choice. That's about them. It's not about you. And so oh, never take that as a personal thing. I wanted to share one thing. Sure. Um, this is also a syndrome. <laughs> it's called syn- angel syndrome. What's it called? And angel, uh, angel syndrome. Angel syndrome. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, what it is, is that I was sent by God to change this person, you know, to save this person, right? And I felt that. I felt like maybe God sent me to this, his life so that he could be better. He could, you know, it's like, who am I? No, <laughs> it's not my responsibility to change him. But that's how I felt. Right. You know, I felt right. like, okay, well, I was I grew up in a totally different situation than he did. He he was kicked out of the house. He, you know, he was um, he had ADHD at that our age group. You know, th- there was no diagnosed ADHD, right? So there was maybe some kids maybe um, just told you are too hyper or too this, and oh, yeah. you have dys- dys- dyslexia and all these things. And he was um, one of those wild boys i guess and he was kicked out of the house and he grew up in hispanic um culture where male was dominant but like everywhere else (laughs) (laughs) yes and um so he shared with me that he had a rough childhood and i felt really bad for him because i didn't grow up i was in a warm environment two loving parents. I went to a private school and, you know, I was, I did what I wanted to do to study English. And, you know, I I had a normal childhood. So um, I felt really bad for him. I was like, wow, you had a tough time, you know? So I, I was giving, I'm trying to give him understanding, understanding of, okay, where he's coming from. And maybe I'm here to support encourage and uplift him you know by me being beaten and take you know being blamed for for his actions and i took it yeah i took and it. abusers abusers are often raised in an abusive home where that's how mm-hmm. they they see women treated yeah and that's so, the way that women are supposed to be treated and so they don't yeah. know anything different 
and they don't challenge that belief. And so again, if a belief, you know, if, 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 if a thought is a sentence in your mind, a belief is a sentence you say over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that is women have to subjugate themselves to men and it's okay for men to hit women. And that's a belief that some boys grow up with. And, And that's, you know, unfortunate, but that's the truth. Yeah. It, so, it, so that's the reason why I didn't want my child, my boy to grow up in that. Yeah. So what's life for you like now? You're on the other side of it. You've been out of this I'm, marriage for several years now. You, you made yeah. it out of the shelter and mm-hmm. you know, you've started this new business where you're helping women kind of yeah. rise up, right? Yes. So let's, yes. let's get to the happiness. Well, you know, it took a while, but I, I, I met my current husband and, you know, after a while, and I, I have two boys with him. And, you know, marriage is a journey. <laughs> marriage is, you know, not all, all rosy, right? We still go through some tough times. We, we, we have difficult times too. But the difference is that we can say whatever we want in a, of course, nice manner, sure. right? And arguments happen, even between friends, you know, it always happens. Yeah. But the difference is there's no physical fight. There's no um, unsafeness, you know, that I don't have to worry about, well, is he going to belittle me? Is he going to hit me? You know, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I, I think in marriage, um, it, how, how to uh, approach a a relationship as an adult, especially like a, yeah. a marriage contract, you know, or a love relationship is that you have to expect that that mm-hmm. person, because we're not perfect, that person you're is not perfect. Do, yeah. They're going to do things that hurt you mm-hmm. and you're going to do things that hurt them. Yes. And the, the healthy adult will Work through those things. Yes. We'll talk about it. This is how it made me feel. This is what I think. Why did I, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And then you come to some sort of an agreement. Yes. That that's, is, that's it. Healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. healthy. And yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. You yeah. know, I was like, this is the healthy relationship. You know, sometimes I was like, is this real healthy? <laughs> you know, but yeah. At the end of the day, that's how I feel. And it's so important to have same value. And the value system that we have, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we did, we did that before um, we got married. Yeah. And that was so important. And I didn't even think about value in, in the past. You know, it's like, whoa, well, how I think, important I think the value so- system is. I think, I think it's very common for us to kind of fall in lust with someone and think that that's love. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of sexual chemistry and mm-hmm. we, yeah. then we try to work around that instead of coming yeah. from a place of friendship, common values, and then, you know, something that blossoms into something sexual. And <clears throat> it's, um, and, and I think most marriages are really based on, you know, something that started out as a, you know, they fell in lust. And so then there was a baby yeah. or there was, you know, whatever, and they tried to make it work. And, yeah. um, and, and the other thing that happens is sometimes you just outgrow the other person and it's just time to move on. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, marriage is a contract. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you know, in the, in the, in the strictest sense of the word, it's a contract between two people that, that if you yeah. decide to divorce, you have to break it up, you know, you yeah. break the contract. And, um, that's, uh, you know, you either work it out or you don't. Yeah, I read this book right. a few years ago, um, that was recommended by Hal Elrod of all people. Mm. And yeah, I love that, how, how to be an adult in relationships. And, oh. um, that's a book I was doing miracle morning and I read that book 20 minutes a day. It was a really tough book. It was hard to get through, but huh. um, I do recommend that everyone read it because Ooh, it does help. Read that. Mm-hmm. how to be an adult in relationships by David Richo. And it's um, we'll sh- make sure we hook that up in the show notes as well. It's a difficult book and he's a psychologist, so it's kind of a- academic, but, but it was a great book for, um, for me to see that, to help realize that I'm, I'm the one in charge of my own reactions. Mm-hmm. You know, no one else can, can make me react. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're so right. what I want to hear from you now is tell me about uh, rise up woman. Yeah. Um, can I say this before we sure. move on? I left out a very important part. It could be controversial, okay. but, I know you, (laughs) so I know so we can talk about this, right? The controversial things. So what happened was, it just reminded me, you just said, when you go into a relationship, there may be, you know, it usually starts out out something sexual and, you know, maybe because of the baby or whatever. So that's what happened with me. So what happened was I got just... I was like, wow, you know, attracted to him, right? Yeah. And I got pregnant. And I was so afraid. I was young. I was 21. And in my country, it was, it's sort of like, well, if you are not married and you have a child, that's not very good, right? Right? And um so I, even though he was actually happy, he, well, he wanted to have a baby and I was happy, but I was afraid at the same time. And I made a choice to abort. Mm-hmm. And so I am an abortion without telling him, he was so upset that even though I told him, I lied to him saying, I had a miscarriage. I'm sorry. He didn't believe me. He said, you went out and got an abortion, didn't you? And kick the hell out of me. He that was, that was before you got married? Yeah. This was before I got married. Wow. And, um, and he, I, I was bruised all over. I could not go back to school for a, a, at least a week. I was bleeding, right, because of the abortion. And, but he did that to me, and I blamed myself. Yeah. I said, I did this horrible, horrible thing. I still, I still hurt to think about it, you know, but I did make that choice. Yeah. And I, I know I'm going to say that, that thing. you know, to, to there, there's a, there's a parable that I like to tell my audience, mm-hmm. the parable of the second arrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Buddha is sitting, the Buddha is sitting. And one of his devotees comes up to him and says, Lord, why do I hurt right here? Um, and he says, well, there's an arrow there. He's like, oh, okay. And he said, but you've got an arrow there. If I were to shoot you with another arrow in that same place, would it hurt? And he says, well, yeah, it hurt more. 
Why do you shoot yourself with second and third arrows? Mm-hmm. So a thing is a thing. Okay. You made a choice in the moment as mm-hmm. a child, as a young, young adult. Mm-hmm. You weren't ready to have a child. Yeah. That's fine. It's a thing. But if you continue to go back and be sad about it, you're just continuing to shoot more arrows at yourself. Yeah. You're right. Right? So that's why that's the reason why I decided to share. Well, thank you for sharing that. I didn't I couldn't couldn't share that story because I was so ashamed. Yeah. And I was so hurt. And I couldn't share. I tell you, this was what? How many years ago is that? That's like 30 some years ago now, sure. right? Yet, I could not share until I started this podcast, right? In May. Uh-huh. I shared that like two, second or third episode. And I realized how much, I, when you talk about arrows, man, I don't know how many arrows I had in my heart because of that right and and the thing the thing we have to do is that there's there's something else i teach in my in my course and it's good thing bad thing who knows it's a thing mm-hmm. it doesn't it who knows yeah it's just a thing and so that's part of detaching from outcome right and at the yeah. end of the day we can't go back and change the, the, the past we can't no. right and so I came to a realization in the last year that everything, everything I've done, all the bad choices, the good choices, the regrets, mm-hmm. the disappointments, everything has led me to this, to where I am now, yeah. where I can become who I'm supposed to become. Yes. Put the message out that I'm supposed to put out. Amen to that. Right? And so yes. the same thing, yes. um, free yourself of that regret because it's not yeah. helping you. It's just dragging you down. Thank you. Thank you. And that's probably the, the most help I can give you, you know, in this yeah. short time. Yes. But, thank but you. every time you start to feel that shame, when you remember that, there's, there's, you know, there's a whole thing about opening your heart center and mm-hmm. allowing, I mean, and for you, I'll, I'll just talk about it as, as Christ, allow the forgiveness of Christ into mm-hmm. your heart because yeah. he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. He didn't ever said anything about abortion. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he loves us no matter what. He said nothing about the gays. He said nothing about abortion. He said nothing about any of that stuff. This is all men's thoughts putting control on women. Oh, yeah. It's our mm-hmm. body. We choose. You made a choice. That was your choice. It's okay. I'm, giving, I'm telling you it was okay. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you permission. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Right. It just it just came to me because, you know, I I I that's one of the part it's very important to share this because the even though I felt it was a horrible thing, I had to pay pay back to him. So I I felt at that moment it was duty, my duty to stay with him no matter what. Well, everyone, please listen. You don't owe anything to anyone. That's right. That's right. You don't so, owe yeah. anything to anyone. You it's owe, so you important owe to yourself. To yes. You know, we're on. We're here. You know. I think. I think we're put here to discover our, a spiritual path. That's what I truly believe. Mm-hmm. That we come from spirit. We return to spirit, and yeah. we're in a sack of skin so that we can learn to be spirit. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I truly believe. Yeah. So 
let's talk about what to grace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, maybe I'm not, yeah. you know, because, because that's a religious dogma and I don't think we need religion to find God. Right. No, you don't. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you have to give yourself a permission to be graceful, you know, yeah. and grateful for what you have. But, um, you going back to the rise up woman. So, yeah. um, so the rise up woman is, it just came to me and say, rise up everyone. You know, no matter what happens in yeah. the past, you still have a choice to rise up from the occasion, you know, all the, all the bad stuff that you've done or you, it's happening. You can still rise up to be the person that you're meant to be. Absolutely. A better version of yourself, you know? So that's the reason why. And uh, I came up with that. And, and of course, because of my, you know, background, um, what happened to me, I was thinking, well, these people who have gone through abuse or trauma like that really lose themselves. And there are, like on the Facebook, there are places where domestic abuse is talked about. Um, but all I see is, oh, this is happening to me. Oh, that's happening to me. Uh, help me. Uh, you know, no, I, I didn't want to, to go that route. I wanted to go to the, the route where, hey, you know what? That happened. Yeah, you, we can talk about it. But don't stay there. Exactly. Well, you know, it becomes your superpower, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can either be a victim or we can or rise victor. up. Yeah. Rise up. Yes. Yeah. So that's where I want. That's why I don't really talk about. So what happened to you? You know, I don't do that in my group. I would just say, yeah, if you want to share, go ahead and share. This is a safe place to share. And we'll pray for you. But don't stay there. Don't you know, that's, that's so interesting because in my, in my Facebook group as well, when women come on and just start complaining, I tell mm -hmm. them to stop. I said that this is not about a complaining, you know, menopause, mm -hmm. suffering is optional in menopause. And I think suffering is optional all throughout life, actually. Yeah. And, you know, while we may have bouts where we're, we're down and things mm -hmm. are hard, we can choose to suffer or we can still have a great day. Yes. You know, it's a and it's all dependent on our vibration. And we mm -hmm. can choose to raise our vibration just by choosing mm -hmm. joy. Yes. Using gratitude. Yes. You yes. know, and that's, yeah. that's where we are. Yeah, so that's, any, that's the uh, reason there. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts for the, uh, for the ladies and, and, lady, and gentlemen listening? Any last uh, parting thoughts? Well, you know, the, the parting thought, we talk, uh, talked a lot about women. Yeah. And I totally believe that we have we have right to be who you are yeah right and also what i would like to not leave out is men who might have been an abuser you know the, uh, a lot of people who might want to get out of that but they don't know they're they don't know how what to do they don't they're their anger or resentment, all these things just comes out and just start beating women or animal or whatever. There is a hope. There are, there are some resources. I just shared in my, um, I think in my group, there's a group of men who try to stop that yeah. cycle. And until you know, women can rise up and do all these things, but as long as those men who abuse exist, it won't stop. I think it's the same thing, though. Behavior comes from beliefs. And yes. Our subconscious programming. And the main thing to do is to understand, get to the point where we can, uh, yeah. the subconscious is not 
is not negative, is not. And, and, and the other thing is listening to that voice in your head. That voice in your head can either be, it takes both sides. And yes. Just, I was just talking uh, yesterday with uh, the, uh, Stephanie Davis, who's the Enneagram expert, and um, we're talking about how the, in Michael Singer's book, the, the Untethered Soul, he talks about the voice in your head that's really your roommate. And, yeah. you know, the roommate in your head takes both sides. It's like, oh, you, you really fucked up. Oh, you're really amazing. And mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that voice is not who we are. And once we realize that we are not the voice, yeah. that we are the observer of the voice, then we can really understand our identity a lot more Yeah, and start to, start to make some changes. So, mm-hmm. And well, but you want to be there. You want to be, you know, there are people who said, yeah, that's who I am and I don't want to change, you know, and there are people like that. And then I'm sorry, you can't really, you can't do anything about that. Right. You know? right. But it's still our, I, I feel like it's our duty to really share that, yeah, there is a hope. There, there's a, a place where you want to be, you know, peace and there only joy exists. <laughs> That's yeah. where you, we want to be. Then you need to start. I mean, we ourselves, we can only change ourselves. So, you know, we can elevate our consciousness that as, as um, Hal says, you know. Yeah. That's uh, that's what um, I think we should do. Exactly. I, I feel like that's our duty to do that. So where can people find you? So I actually hang out on Facebook a lot. Okay. So Facebook, the Rise Up Woman. And I do have a group, uh, Rise, Up, Rise Up Woman. And it's called, I actually call it the Rise Up Woman movement. So it is a movement like menopause movement. Yeah. I want to have this movement to women collectively come together and rise up together. So that's our, that's great. Well, yeah. Mickey, thanks so much for, for sharing your story with us today. Thank and, you so uh, much for having you know, me. I'm going to invite the ladies to, and anyone who's wa- who's watching or listening to send an email to mm-hmm. me, Dr. Gordon, Dr. Gordon at menopausemovement.com. And let me know your thoughts on yes. this interview with Mickey. And if you have any questions for her, uh, if there's enough of them, I'll bring her back and ask the questions. So, right. Mickey, thanks so much. Thank and, you uh, so much. Appreciate uh, that, it. Thanks, thanks for seeing us today. Mm-hmm.